The function of leadership is to produce more leaders, not more followers. Leaders of Men. G'day and welcome to Leaders of Men. I'm your host, Nick Warner. In a society that yearns for legitimate male role models, I speak to men that are forging the pathway to a healthy, integrated masculinity. Today I had the pleasure of speaking to John Wineland. John is an author, teacher, and speaker who for over a decade has been leading both men and women in the realms of spiritual intimacy, life's purpose, and embodiment. John teaches worldwide, bringing his vision for a new paradigm of masculine leadership and conscious relationships to those yearning to live and love with wide open hearts. I hope you enjoy. And welcome back to Leaders of Men. It is a great honor to have with me today, John Wineland. Thanks for being here, John. Yeah, glad to be here, Nick. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Um, I'd love for you to just begin a little bit of your journey, uh, how you became the man that you are today as far as the work that you do. Well, you know, like many, it was a necessity. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was my own first client and, uh, and I was in my mid-30s and in a marriage, you know, with a woman who loved me deeply that I, I loved a lot and I just could not show up, just did not really know how to show up in relationship. My daughter was pretty ill. I just started a new business, you know, so, you know, but we had this beautiful little house and sort of white picket fence kind of thing. And I was a leader in my community and in, in, in LA and, um, and yet things just weren't working. Everything was miserable. And, um, and I realized that, you know, like a lot of men today, this idea that, you know, that you can do the things that we were taught to do. You could be a good partner. You can support their careers. You can be a good father. You can be a good provider. And still, um, relationships are, um, incredibly tricky. And so I, I, I realized then that I didn't know, you know, I was never given models of healthy relationship. And I, and, and I realized then that I just didn't know what to do. So I started to seek out people who did. <laughs> and, and I was, I told this story a couple of times. I was actually one of those dudes that was um, up in the middle of the night, just, you know, in, in a lot of pain around my relationship. And I saw Tony Robbins like late night infomercial back in the days of infomercial for those of you who remember that. And I bought his program his like get the edge program. And I did it and I fell in love with it. And I finally, I went to see him a couple months later and, and he introduced this concept of, you know, the masculine and feminine. He had gotten it from David data. You know, he didn't say that, but I found out later he'd gotten it from David data and, um, and then I went straight to David Data and kind of fell in love with this work and and started to, you know, follow him around, start to assist, start to work with every teacher in the space I could. Um, and, you know, did that for about five years straight, literally kind of doing what you're doing man. just, you know, <laughs> cruising around the world, uh, just consuming as much practice and content as I could. Yeah. And, um, and, and eventually it came to a point where other men started to want to learn what I was learning. And so I started this small men's group in Santa Monica once a month 
and we would meet in this loft and, you know, sometimes three guys would come, sometimes 30 guys would come and, and, uh, I would take them through practices and we would circle up and, you know, it was a whole, it was a whole, whole training. I did this for a few years. And, uh, and then finally I got good enough at it that I started to put out my own shingle and then started to work with co-ed, do, do co-ed work. This was about seven, eight years ago that I started to do this, but, um, yeah. And I just, it just kind of, the path just kept unfolding. People wanted to do more work and I, I wanted to offer more work. And, and, um, so I, I continued to work with my teachers for, I don't know, about 13 plus years and eventually co-taught with David and assisted with him for a long time. And now we're kind of, you know, now we're, we're could be kind of gone our separate ways, but, but, um, but that training, that 10 plus years of training, mm. uh, was incredibly valuable for me and, and set me up to, to have hopefully something unique to offer, not just from David, but from a lot of other teachers and my own experience, something unique to offer especially men that's for sure um yeah so i've been a student of yours i think it started in 2000 and end of 2020 maybe started 2021 online mm. and then in person and found you through a podcast originally and then david mm. data and then found out you two were connected and then i've been uh consuming on the journey ever since <laughs> yeah at consuming. a rapid rate <laughs> yeah 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 honor your commitment man that's um, what it takes. I think, I think it, I think most guys who want to step into leadership roles and, and need to transform or transmute their own personal karma, don't understand the level of commitment it takes to do that. You know what I mean? It's not a, you know, one workshop. I, I don't know, maybe there's some guys that can do this, but it ain't me, um, you know, who have a, capacity to do one workshop a year and then all of a sudden everything changes it's not that way it's it's pretty it's pretty um involved what it takes to to change a lifetime of habits and karmas you know multiple lifetimes of karmas and you know so i i'm i'm with you man i i kind of just i was clear this is how i want to live this is this is you know this whole new world opened up for me when I when I when I got introduced to David's work and other work, this whole new world opened up for me of a way of being as a man, and uh, and I was just I just went in hook line and sinker. It's pretty obvious when you I've, I've sat under a lot of different people, and there's a a very specific transmission that happen that is received when somebody sits in front of you, not to piss in your pocket, but there's. It's kind of like those guys that go off and do one workshop and they go teach and maybe they've got mm -hmm. some information, but there is the transmission is just not there. And this is what you speak to a lot in the, in your teachings. Um, mm -hmm. and it's very tangible that there is something that it's very Thank obvious you. that, uh, yeah, that this is something you've dedicated a fair chunk of your life to. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely hit the 10,000 hour mark you know, probably a year or two ago, <laughs> but it really, it really, you know, there is something to that, you know, I mean, it's not so rigid. It's not like you hit 10,000 hours and all of a sudden the light goes on, but I think that there is a, a certain level of, of, um, something, there's a tipping point, I think, in terms of worldview, in terms of practice commitment, in terms of transmission that happens. And I, I, I'm glad you brought up this idea of transmission because, 
transmission comes not only from consuming practice and getting information from other people, but it comes from literally taking your practice into your relationship. Um, I mean, we're not even talking about the thousands of hours of practices I've done in my relationships, you know, and, uh, and with other men. And I started two or three of my own. I still, I'm still in three different men's groups, you know, of my own. And, um, and so transmission is the byproduct of both, you know, sitting in front of teachers who have more information and practice than you do, but also just getting on the fucking tennis court, right? Getting on the court and, or the basketball court, whatever analogy you want. And, um, and really, you know, putting it into practice and learning like, oh, that didn't work or, oh, that worked. And then there's this nuance to it. And, uh, and I think that, you know, for those of us who are committed to leadership, there is sort of a, there's a practice of, of leading <laughs> that needs to happen in your personal life so that you can be credible. Um, yeah, both in your failures, you know, which I've had many and, um, and then, you know, whatever victories. Mm. Does being a relationship expert make relationship any easier? I wish it did, man. <laughs> it makes it clear. It makes it, I wish it did. I wish it did. And I think this is the, you know, this is the, this is the difference that I've, I've the, disti the distinction I've really tried to pull in the last year or two is that, you know, we have a yoga capacity, right? We can practice the yoga of relationship, the yoga of love, sexual yoga. Um, we can create art in moments um, and get really good at doing that. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of practice to learn how to create art in a moment, sexually or relationally, but to get presence, to bring presence, to bring structure, to, to bring deep practice. But that's not the same thing as changing the karma of your relationships. Mm. You know, that takes years of therapeutic work, um, yogic work, meditative work. And, you know, I'm, I'm still, learning how to um change the karmic lineage of my family like you know both my mother and father are alone right um uh you know my grandparents were alcoholics and on both sides you know what i mean and had crazy related you know relationships they were required to stay together we're not right we're not anymore pretty much and um and so you know, starting with our parents' generations, we're not. And so now we're at this place where we really get to, to take on, like, what do I want to, what kind of relationship do I want to create? What I think it has done for me is it's, it's, it's allowed me to get deeper and deeper into what kind of relationship I really think is what, what really creates a sacred intimacy. I think it's it's really even my failures. In fact, my failures probably more than my successes have helped me understand like, oh, here's what sacred intimacy should include. Mm. And um, and I'm writing a second book and it's all on that, you know, which I've gotten into a little bit with teacher training. You've heard me talk about it, the three pillars. And Do you want to speak, speak to so, that now? Yeah, yeah. I'll give, a, I'll give a, you know, 30 second yeah. synopsis of it. Three pillars of sacred intimacy include the practice of intimacy, which is, you know, being able to um, feel both the human 
you know, the, the humanness of your partner and to literally intimacy is really about removing space. So it's a, it's a, it's a oneness, both as human beings and then as spiritual beings and the, the practices that, you know, allow us to feel each other's hearts um, and also feel each other's souls would speak to intimacy practices. They're not necessarily sexual. They're really human. And, um, you know, and you can have them with men. It happens a lot with men, right? Um, in men's work. So creating intimacy is about creating sameness, recognizing sameness. You know, I have a heart, you have a heart. I get afraid, you get afraid. I have desires, you have desires. And there's all kinds of practices to, to, to develop that. The second pillar, which is the really the toughest one and one that David doesn't really get into, and I, and I think it's a shame because a lot of people misinterpret his, his approach, is, is this devotion to your partner's nervous system, devotion to things like repair and nervous system downregulation and the capacity to use your body and your practice to literally relax your partner you know, from a state of fight or flight into a state of, you know, relaxed trust of the moment. And there's a whole set of skills. Some of them are communication skills. Some of them are, you know, very much yogic skills or meditative skills that help to do that, to help to relax your partner's nervous system. Things like repair, for example, you know, repairing past injuries, um, you know, creating certain kind of communication structures so that, you know, resentments and judgments and all these things can be projections, can all be unpacked. Um, and those are really, David, I guess David would call them second stage tools, but they're crucial. <laughs> they're crucial <laughs> to uh, to having a strong, you know, intimacy, a sacred intimacy. And then the third piece is, you know, the sexual polarity work, which which is basically the dance of love and consciousness through the through two bodies, right? The recognition that love and consciousness are the infinite and unchanging sources of us, all of us, right? And to animate that and practice that and transmit that to each other in a sexual moment is, you know, sublime. Right. It's a sublime, beautiful, nourishing practice. And so having all three of those pillars strong is required for the deepest, healthiest sacred intimacy. It's easy to create polarity. I mean, once you learn it, you can, you know, this, you can create it. But if there's not a strong foundation of repair and trust, then um, I think this is the greatest lesson I've learned in relationship over the last few years, right? If there's not a strong foundation of trust, and safety, um, and deep reflection, all of those things, then the, the sexual yoga will, will not stick. It'll be overridden by our karmas, by our traumas, by our, you know, our patterns, unfortunately. So changing patterns is, you know, takes a long time, it takes decades, mm. not lifetimes, you know. I love that. Uh, I love that this is part of your philosophy because it's actually my path took me deep into kind of tantra and the sexual side of it and the polarity side of it and the intimacy side of it, and I got really fucking good at it. And I came back in a relationship, and then I couldn't hold my partner. I couldn't hold a nervous system. Like it was a disaster. Yeah. And that was yeah. the point where I realized that I was missing a huge chunk. 
And actually that was the, that was the beginning of my work with you when I realized that I needed to fucking find somebody that knew what they were doing. Um, mm. Because yeah, I, I just, I had this idea that the whole sex side of it would cover everything. Like if I was good at that, yeah. it'd be great. And it's like, no, it's yeah, 10%. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so, but it's such an important 10%, right? Because people can get really good at the first two and then have no juice, right? But <laughs> you can't just do that. Um, this piece of, you know, we've we've been dealing with, you know, culturally such incredible, we're coming out of thousands of years of largely traumatic experiences as men and women and our capacity to be able to um to really heal each other on a deep level is just as important as being able to turn each other on on a deep level you know and and i think that's you know if there's something that i would love men to to get it's that you know really learning to lead in this kind of second area i mean both all areas are important but this second area to really learn to lead, um, how to take, you know, how to take your partner's nervous system. You could use language, uh, tone of voice, uh, touch, um, words of safety and affirmation. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to, to take your partner into a down-regulated space where they can receive your truth. Um, and, and that's just as much, I get, I think the thing that I, I, you know, in the past, and we're kind of nerding out here, but in the past, you know, most therapeutic realms, it's been very mental that this is happening. It's been a sort of a mental construction. It's been very head-based, very communication-based. I think what I'm trying to do is to bring the embodied piece into that, right? To combine those two things, that there can be both words of praise and literally using your body to grant her body or his body, uh, using your body to soften and relax their body. And, and, you know, when you learn how to do that, then you're, you're starting to get into some really beautiful, beautiful spaces of leadership and practice. And it's hard, man. I mean, I still, I still fail, you know, failed last week, actually. <laughs> you know? And, 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 and it's just one of those, you know, like, oh, fuck, I did it again. Let me repair. Let me come at it a different way. You know, it's a constant failure and recommitment. I guess like golf, I suppose. I'm not a golfer, but I, I imagine there's like, I hear about how people have to constantly tinker. They'll get it, they'll get it, and then they'll lose it, and then they'll mm. have to get it again. And, you know, um, yeah. It's, uh, I spoke to Robert Glover on the first Panamint. That's this men's group that, John has where we go out to the desert, there's 60 odd men and it's amazing. And Robert is the author of No More Mr. Nice Guy. And I said to him, so are you recovered? And he said, no, no, I'll be a nice guy my entire life. And there was just yeah. something really like, oh, I could almost just exhale at the sound of that. Mm. It's because, you yeah. know, two guys that are kind of peak in their field, in the world, and they still constantly make mistakes and fuck up. And it's actually, it's, it's quite nice to hear. 
And I will say, I've, I've, I mean, I think since, you know, since leadership is the topic here, a great, a great aspect of leadership is self-reflection. So when I failed, when my relationships have failed over the last few years, I didn't want to call them failed, like just ended, sometimes ended mess, messy. And um, I've spent months in reflection with the men I trust. Yeah. I've gone to them and I've gone like, here's, you know, here's what I think happened. Here's what I think I did. You know, check me on this, check me on this. And they've, you know, given me, the men who love me, give me the hardest fucking feedback and thank God. And, and, and so I've, I've really, you know, spent a lot of time reflecting on, oh, where do I, where do I use my power, you know, it, to control and manipulate the feminine? Where do I, you know, where am I selfish? Where am I unconscious? Um, you know, all of those things are still aspects that I have to reflect on and, and, you know, for men, exiting relationships my my strong invitation for you is to take two or three months off and just reflect on what just happened so that you don't bring it into the next one and, and i think i've been i've been pretty successful at that throughout my life yeah it's quite a common thing isn't it to jump from one to the other and then think that it's going to be different yeah <laughs> yeah what does masculinity mean to you hmm well, you know, I talk about this in my book and I have a very specific take, which is that, you know, masculinity is a transmission of conscious depth. And, you know, and so a, a female body can transmit conscious depth just as powerfully as a masculine body, sometimes more. And so it's gender neutral. It's not gender specific that the masculine, and this is something that David, yeah, David teaches really beautifully is the masculine is the embodied transmission of consciousness. I've added the piece of groundedness to it, right? That the grounded consciousness has just a different, a slightly different texture than just consciousness. And so that's why we do so much work on grounding. But this idea of being grounded, spacious, open, and transmitting it through your body so that it's felt by others is what I would consider masculinity. Um, this whole thing about pounding on your chest and, you know, and fighting that, that's, you know, that's kind of been a traditional form of masculinity, but, but that's still in the realm of experience. I mean, you've, you've heard me talk about this and anything that's experienced by nature is life. Uh, it's the feminine. Um, anything that's witnessing nature, that's, that's experiencing the experience without being the experience is the masculine. And so lately, you know, I get asked a lot about what, what sacred masculine means to me. And I think the sacred masculine is really this idea of being grounded consciousness that needs nothing in experience to change mm. is literally just being with experience whether it's your partner's upset or your own upset or something happened in the world without needing it to change. And then from there deciding what liberates most love and consciousness. So it doesn't mean you have to, it doesn't mean you have to, to do nothing, but it means you start from a place of not needing things to be different in this moment so that you can from, from there decide what's the most appropriate form of leadership. If that makes sense. Perfectly. Yeah. That's a, that's a really beautiful answer. The, the transmission of energetics rather than, you know, some kind of action or some kind of trait. Yeah. 
I guess that the trait, the only trait that I would say, I mean, consciousness, I suppose, is a trait. It, it goes way beyond that. Mm. But, but you know, you know, it's a to be pr- presence, I guess, is a trait mm. that can be practiced and mastered. But, um, but yeah, the traits of, you know, strength and, um, you know, all those things are beautiful parts of of whole human of humanness. But the masculine in all of us is even beyond that mm. you know it's, it's it's behind that it's yeah. it's aware of that without having to be that can you speak to the importance of purpose and perhaps for the guys that don't know what theirs is or are seeking it what could be a good step for them to take mm. yeah um well, you know, Kendra gave such a beautiful, uh, I think, portal into this. You know, Kendra Kunath, who, who teaches teacher training with me, when she said, you know, follow what you know, step into what you know. So a lot of guys, um, like you might have known, like, hey, I want to I lead men. Or, hey, I want to deepen, like, what you brought you to my work, right? I, I know I need to, like, do this. Like, I've stepped into David's work because I know I need, right? And that was the next step towards purpose, right? So one really, I won't say easy, but one important way to, to, to start to get on the path of purpose is to just take the step you know needs to be taken, mm-hmm. right? Uh, whether it's start a podcast or start a men's group or whatever, right? Learn from this person, do this practice. Because those things are often very clear. What's not very clear, in fact, what's not guaranteed at all, and where men get fucked up, is they want to lay out the entire path for the next, you know, three to five year, ten year goal. And I'm I'm fine with that. That's great. Three year goal, five year goal. That's all great. But there's no fucking guarantee. All that does is make you give you clarity in the moment of where you want to go. But that's not. There's no guarantee that it's going to play out that way. I mean, think about those people who made you know, very detailed action plans in, you know, January, 2020, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, we just all got bitch slapped. So it's <laughs> so following the, the, the truth, the deepest truth that, you know, I think is a really good way to, and then having it reflected back from men or people that you trust is a really good way to just start inching towards a, a, a clarification of purpose. David likes to give this practice and I think it's a really great one, but it's also very hard and it requires, you know, requires a lot of, I think, practice, which is to just let go of doing everything. Let go of doing everything except that which you absolutely need to do and wait for something to emerge. And so, you know, I've done that many times in my life from, you know, taking, taking, I took nine months where I just let go of doing everything except having to take care of my daughter go to work and go to my men's group and, and some physical exercise. And, um, and that's this, how you and I met is what came out of that nine months. Hmm. But uh, a lot of guys can't do that um, or won't do that. <laughs> we need to, you know, so I think this idea of purpose, if I was going to give men, you know, just some easy steps, one is follow what you know, you know two would be to get reflection from other people as, as to how it feels on you. 
-hmm. you know, and that's why I love the teacher training program, because you guys are going to be, you know, getting reflection from each other over and over and over again about how your impulse feels. That's really important. And, um, and then the third would be, yeah, let shed all of the distraction that keeps you from the pain of not knowing your purpose. Mm. Not knowing your purpose is painful. Mm. Finding your purpose is just as painful, right? Because then there's this whole, how do I make it real? How do I manifest it? How do I, how do, I do that? So those are a few, few steps I would give guys that are, are looking to really deepen in purpose. Beautiful. Um, I guess a little bit kind of along the same lines for those guys who are stuck in the constant burden, life is difficult, um, relationship sucks, financial burden. Yeah. First steps. Um, well, you know me, man, I'm a, I get, get out in nature with a bunch of dudes. I mean, that's the, that's literally the most nourishing thing. I've just seen it over and over and over again. You get guys out on a, on a hike, on a camping trip, on a men's group, out in nature, away from, you know, the, the phone and the, you know, constant distractions, um, and, and reset your brain chemistry and your nervous system, you know, in the great she. And so that kind of nourishment is so needed now because we are so dopamine addicted to our phones, to our computers, to et cetera, that men, it's getting the regular, you know, men have been complaining about burden for centuries, not, you know, millennia. And, um, but now we've added this new layer to it that, that kind of is zapping the, the dopamine from our systems. And so, you know, a couple steps. One, get out in nature, either by yourself or with a group of men you love. Uh, two would be to um, create some space of no demand. Some Whether it's a Sunday afternoon where you don't have any demand from your partner, from the world, you know, where you just get to follow the impulse of your heart, watch movies. Did I did it yesterday, man. I had such a beautiful morning where I had a really busy week last week and I just... I took a walk. I did some yoga by the pool. I swam. I literally sat and looked at these two hawks flying around for, you know, an hour. It was just, it was just, there was no demand on me. And, and that resets your, your, um, your dopamine, which then leads to a higher production of testosterone, which kind of resets your manhood. So your biological manhood, so to speak. Um, and, and guys just need to prioritize that, in my opinion. Um, that's what I see, where I see guys get really lost is, is when they, they don't and they, they just continually stay in this burden of demand, demand, demand. Yeah. Two-part question I'm going to ask from uh, one perspective and the other. The first is you're a guy in relationship and your partner fully wears the pants. She makes a decision. She does the planning. She won't let you kind of lead. Mm. What's your, uh, what's your take on that? Mm. Yeah. Well, I think there's a two, 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 maybe more part answer here. Uh, the first is, is a, is she better at it than you? 
right? And and B, does she want to, right? If she wants to, then and it and it opens her and it makes her feel good and you know you're like okay like you're better at planning vacations you're better at planning dinners you're you're better at making most of these decisions. Letter, um, lead in conscious like like let her do that if she's better at it and it makes her happy, and lead sexually <laughs> lead in consciousness lead um you know lead by being deep having deeper breath lead by having a stiller nervous nervous system lead by being more grounded lead by being more tethered to consciousness mm. um consciousness doesn't give a fuck who's you know choosing where we eat dinner tonight um so if she's good at it and she likes it yeah but most women who are truly feminine in nature want to be led sometime. You know, they want to know you can lead, not that you should, but that you can. And uh, you can step in when they're exhausted or when they're tired. And so, so, you know, I think having a really good conversation of, hey, my love, like I would love to lead us more, take some of the burden off of you about choosing where we go vacations, where we go to dinner, you know, whatever the decisions are, you know, what would you need to trust me more? What would you need to, to really feel like you could just relax and let me take some of this from you and see what she says? You know, chances are she's going to give you some really, you know, I'd need you to follow through. I'd need you to keep your word. I'd need you to um, be more still. I'd need you to, you know, come I don't know, more confidently. I, I don't know, more, be more bold. There's, there's probably gold in there for you if you yeah. can ask. You know, put on your big boy pants and ask, you know. Um, and then you can start to have this sort of negotiation of like, hey, where do you like to lead? Like, what do you really, not, not just, you're not doing it because you think you have to, but because you really like it. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe she loves certain kinds of food. I, I don't know, there's a, there's a whole... You know, the kick I've been on uh, lately is, is to just make it all conscious. To make these, you know, what I would call covert contracts, which I think we give to each other all the time, to make them conscious. Mm. You know, like if she's, if, if the covert contract she's, she's staying is like, I don't trust you. And so I'm choosing to lead, right? I'm choosing to take lead. That's a contract you guys are making with each other, but it's made unspoken and it's made with expectations and it's made with resentments and so to just make it all conscious i think is the is a really great form of masculine like then you're leading if you say hey baby why do you feel you need to lead all the time or or what would you need in order to relax some of the leadership you're now leading by being more aware of the dynamics in the the unconscious dynamics in the relationship if that makes sense yeah and i love that question what do you need to be able to trust me more? It's such a, mm-hmm. such a powerful one. Um, the other part of that question was for the women, they're with a man that doesn't lead, that cannot lead, that won't lead. They want him to get into mm-hmm. men's work. They want him to start doing something. Yeah. What do you do? As a woman? Yeah. Or as a, as a yeah, yeah. As a woman. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, there's a few ways to go about this, right? One is, is, you know, one is very much, you know, David's approach, which is to just practice being responsive 
to when he leads and when he doesn't, right? Just being really amp amplify your responsiveness um, to if he does something that makes you happy, if he, you know, if he chooses a direction that really feels good in intimately and daily life, like just to really let him know, like, wow, that felt so good. And it made me so happy. And thank you for taking the lead, you know, just really letting him know, like, because uh, men want to win. <laughs> and if we see that what we're doing makes you happy, uh, we'll, we'll bookmark that, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for, you know, hacks to winning. <laughs> and so, uh, so that's one piece. The other piece would also to let him know artfully, artfully, let him know, when it doesn't work, like when his leadership doesn't work. And so I think working as a woman, working on your responsiveness capacity to his consciousness, awareness, capacity, direction, right, um, is one piece. And the other piece is to, is to, you can have, you can take the masculine consciously as a woman. You can say, hey, can I give you some I, I feel like I really need to give some feedback on some areas that are important to me. And the way I taught the women, you know, I have to have a women's program. And the way I, I, I spoke to the women about this is I would say, sit him down and say, for me to trust you with my heart from now till the end of time, I would need you to deepen in these areas. I need you to deepen in your integrity to your word. I would need you to be more present and less on your phone. I would need to feel your body more relaxed. I'd need you to slow down. I'd need you to, you know, step in boldly into decision-making, whatever she would need. I'd need you to have sex this way. I'd need you to fuck me this way. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough conversation, but it's an incredible, if it's brought from that place of what I would need to, I want to give you my heart. I want to like, I want to offer my heart to you and here's what I would need. Then again, you're taking the unconscious and making it conscious rather than trying to manipulate him into reading my book or David's book or coming to a men's group or that's an unconscious manipulation. And it, it rarely works. It feels to most men like castration. Like you aren't taking me deep enough. You aren't fucking me deep enough. So let's, you should read some David data. <laughs> I mean, uh, would that feel good to you? No, yeah. no. But I, I see mean, it all the time I, when women tag men, they tag their men about my post. I'm sure you're seeing it too. Like, you know, I'm like, oh man, poor guy. And she's not going to get what she wants that way. No. It's a public shaming. <laughs> it's like, a, a, it's like, I'm not just going to do it at home. I'm going to do it publicly. I'm going to say, Hey, you need this <laughs> with a heart. Yeah, love you. Fuck you. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. When was the last time you were out of integrity? Ooh. Oh man. I, I have had, so, you know, throughout my life, I've had multiple addictions, you know, I, I was sober for 26 years and, you know, I've taken care of all of them. Every once in a while, nicotine comes back and bites me in the ass. And it started when Claire died. I like, I had, I don't know, eight, nine years away from it. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, Claire died and I have all these friends in LA that smoke cigars like crazy. And so, and so I got hooked on nicotine 
and, you know, it, it reared its head about three or four months ago. And I went through, a, you know, I went through, a, I mean, you know, people close to me knew I, I didn't talk about it publicly, but, but every once in a while that addiction comes back and I'm hand rolling cigarettes or smoking cigars, um, you know, and for a guy who teaches breath work, right. Like that, 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 that occurred to me, like, look, man, you can't stretch this too long. You know, you need to get your shit together. And I have, but, but that's the place I, the last time I really felt like it was, you're not living, you're not living, you're not, you're not living what you're teaching. Mm. Right. It crossed a line from something that was just kind of a temporary thing into, Oh shit, it's got me. And anybody who's been addicted to nicotine fucking knows this. It's a, it, it can be a horrible fucker. Um, and so that was, that was the last time I was massively out of integrity. Mm. I'm sure I've, forgotten to call somebody back or text them exactly when I said, oh, in fact, there's a guy I need to get back to today. So I said I'd do it yesterday. <laughs> so I guess now, <laughs> I'm out of integrity now, you know? And, and I think that's, yeah, that's a really important thing for guys to get. You know, we're going to get into this in EMLT, actually. That's the next call is this idea of we're always out of integrity. We're always out of integrity somewhere, Right. And is our relationship to that? I mean, just pick a spot, you know, I, I, any of us have 20 or 30 areas where we've broken our words to ourselves. We haven't followed through on something, you know, we're, we're not, you know, my example about, you know, my nicotine slip, you know, um, we're always out of integrity somewhere. And the most important thing is what's our relationship to it? Like, do we close? Are we shameful about it? Do we avoid it? Do we not repair and apologize for the people who've been impacted? Do we, are we constantly like looking at these areas and going, okay, where am I out of integrity? Where am I? Like the, the, the exercise we did on the call the other day is a good way to do that. And so I think that there's a, you know, something that men get stuck on is this idea, like, you know, I need to be in integrity rather than to understand, like, you're always out of integrity, bro. And, and, you know, how are you relating to that, that breakdown, that inevitable breakdown, you know? What's an uncomfortable truth about you? Hmm. Well, I think the thing we started with about, um, you know, that I'm still like being a relationship expert has not made, you know, my relationships any easier. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm pretty demanding in relationships. Like I'm, I, I have a, you know, I'm, I'm pretty clear on what I want and what I need. And so I can be, I can be demanding, you know, mm. I can be demanding in terms of the kinds of practices I want to do together, the level of honesty I want from a partner, the, the, you know, the level of practice, um, and so I think that, you know, that I'm still kind of in the process of transmuting my family's karma. And I do believe I will, like, this is kind of the, the one thing just on a personal piece, like I've, I'm the only one in my family that makes the money I make doing the thing I love everybody. You could go back two, three, four or 500 years, probably. And you wouldn't find somebody from my lineage that is as happy and satisfied 
in the world, you know, in the material world in terms of not just making money, but doing it in a way that I fucking love. I love my job. And so I, I've changed that for my family. You know, I've changed that for my family. I've also changed the the parenting karma in my family. Like I've really changed that with Claire. My daughter was adored and cared for. And it's really, you know, really, yeah, really nurtured in, in, in a way that I've, I'm very proud of. I was very present for her. Mm. And so I've changed these incredible areas, but the area that I have not changed that I meant that I'm, that's kind of the last frontier for me is, is, you know, long-term relationship. Mm. And so I think that would be the uncomfortable truth to admit that that's still something on my plate. That's the thing I I'm, I'm committed to do before I die, you know, to mm. have a, a deep, long I mean I've had seven year relationships I've had very deep relationships I've, you know I've raised children with somebody raised a child with somebody but to really have a long-term relationship that is mutually fulfilling and, and beautiful you know that's something that I, I really I really wanted to before I die beautiful thank you for sharing what are you most afraid of I think, okay, um, I, I think my body breaking down, I, I use my body so much in my work and in my life, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape for a guy that's 57, but I'm, I'm, Mate, let's just be honest I'm, about that. You're fucking jacked. <laughs> we're, just, thank you. we're doing ice bars in the thank desert. You, I'm like, hang on a second. <laughs> when did this happen? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, well, there's my fear, right? So taking care of myself. And so, so I, I, um, I'm in pretty good shape, but I think, I think I'd be afraid if my body broke down in some way that I, you know, that I couldn't, I couldn't do what I love to do. I think that would be, that would be really hard. And I think maybe failing at what I just said, you know, would also be a fear of mine. Um, I suppose losing my mind in some way would be a fear of mine. I have, of course I have fears, but most of them are, have been arrested pretty well. You know, most of, I, I don't live in fear too much. I, I have anxiety like anybody, but I don't, I, I think I've, I think I've, I've overcome most of my fears. What would you love for men to know with every fiber of their being? Hmm. These are good questions, Nick. Um, I think that there is a way of being. There's a way of being relationally, both with other men and with and with lovers, that is so much more fulfilling and enlivening and nourishing than they know is possible right and I, I imagine some of the people watching this will not be introduced to my work or other work like this david's work and your work and but i think that the, this this idea of being of, of of living through the wisdom of the body versus the habits of the mind yeah. is such a an amazing just it goes beyond an aha moment it's like a, a a complete life revelation and i think i'd, I'd love men to to get that it's possible 
to live through the body in a way that is is so much more fulfilling and nourishing than 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 what they've been taught. Amazing. Um, there's something that you have spoken to within the kind of teachings that I've experienced from you when you say that grief is finite. And I'm wondering if you could speak about your journey mm -hmm. with Claire and with grief and where you're at with it now. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, all of us have a pool of grief, trauma, pain, anger, right? From life experience. Let me separate that, right? Because I think I think I would amend that a little bit. So there is a there is a there's a pool of grief and anger and pain from our life experiences. And you know, carry we carry epigenetically from our lineage, from our parents. It's now proven, right, that those things come down DNA. And that pain is finite. That that means that there's a pool of it that can be released, um, moved, uh, let go of all of those things. And and it takes years, right? But it definitely, you know, you, you'll you'll have a, you know, when you have a huge catharsis, you're literally like taking a bunch of that out, and and uh, and you know, giving it to the earth, so to speak. Um, and that pain, that pain of our life and our our lineages is is finite. It does it's not. It doesn't. There's a there's another side to it. There is a pain, however, that's existential, right? That's that's just part of being human. That is always going to be with us, right? The pain that there's always more of us to give. The pain that you know we're never fully expressed um, in in the ways we know we could be the pain of holding back when we're afraid like there 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 is an existential pain that i do think is um i don't want to say infinite it's just um it's just part of being human mm. right it's part of being human and um and so with claire what i've learned over the years is that it's taken me about 3 or 4 years to really you know every i i keep scooping out massive you know puddles of that grief over the course of years and i've had to make a lot of space for it i've had to take time off i've had to go work with specific teachers i've had to create containers in my own daily practice um i just recently did something you know another piece of family constellation work around claire with grandmother sarah that was another you know pool of grief but it wasn't it wasn't it's not debilitating anymore it's just like it's like mm -hmm. So it's kind of full and like how, uh, you know, how Pema Chodron talks about, you know, that the, the, the heart, the soft part of the heart can be full. Right. And so the Tibetan Buddhists believe that that soft part of your heart, the bodhicitta is actually an access point. And this is, this is the sort of existential pain I'm talking about. Like that soft part of our hearts that all humans have is the access point to connection to, to all beings all sentient beings and that is just a part of life and that is a um something that actually needs to be celebrated more mm -hmm. i think right celebrated honored and and seen as the you know portal the loving portal of connection that it is like if i'm suffering with something and i'm tender about it um 
fact, I'm suffering, you know, I'm a little suffering, something I'm suffering, my heart's suffering from right now, right? Um, I know that other men on the planet are also suffering with the same thing. Not exactly the same way, but they're also feeling it. And so my capacity to go into my heart and feel that part of my heart and then connect to all the other men that are feeling it gives me a, empowers me to, to rise above my own personal story of woe and, and turns it into a really deepening and connective um, experience. Like all, the, and I can do this with all the men who've lost daughters. Yeah. I can just feel all the men on the planet who've lost daughters that they loved and adored and I can feel their heart. I can breathe into my heart. I can send them love. I can, you know, I can transmute. I can do practices to transmute that pain with my own. And so I think it's important to to distinguish those two different kinds of grief, the life grief of of, of experiences and traumas, and then the existential pain of just being alive and being human. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Uh, final question. If you could take one memory from this life into your next life, what mm. would it be? Um, when my daughter was seven, I took her to Laguna Beach or, and I just went, you know, just me and her. I took her to Laguna Beach and... And I, I was teaching her how to, like, she knew how to swim, but I was teaching her how to swim in the ocean. And, and the waves got kind of big, you know, there was, there was a swell. And so, and Laguna has these kind of shore poundy, you're Australian, right? You get the right, kind of a shore poundy wave that's, um, that's a little dangerous, right? And, but she wanted to go in and I wanted to teach her. And so I taught her how to dive under the wave and grab, like I said, you go down, you grab the sand and you come up and show me the sand. And, and the waves are breaking maybe 10, 15 yards from the shore, pretty close. And so, you know, her and I went under a few times together. I held her hand, we went under and then she did it herself. And I remember her coming up with this huge fucking smile and just like handfuls of sand from the bottom of the ocean. And she was so happy because she felt this big wave, this big shore pounder come over her and she just kind of gracefully went underneath. And I think, you know, teaching my daughter to do things like that. There's also the first time she got up to do a TED talk her and I did this whole exercise before she got up. And so watching my daughter, a few moments of watching my daughter succeed, um, you know, and I was a part of that, you know, really are, the, that's, those are the memories I'd love to take, you know, into my next life. I love that. All right, mate. Thank you so much. Um, right, I've been on. a part of your talk. I've been a part of your teacher training. I'm going into my second year and I've had quite a few people ask me about it. Um, is it worth it? It is without a doubt, one of the greatest investments I've ever made myself. That's why I'm going back for it again. So I know it is um, in a couple of months, the next kind of year is opening yeah, up. Next cohort. So is yeah, there anything else yeah. that you have that's happening that you want to speak about? Yeah, thank, thanks, man. I, um, there's four spots left for the depth council, which is a very small, you know, intimate men's mastermind group that, that I do that we, we take three nature retreats 
that's that's a really very very cool experience for men and then uh, and then teacher training yeah we just launched launched it last week and it's we've already got applications for half the spots so that that fills up pretty fast and i and i'm so proud of the teacher training and what you guys are doing and how everybody's just kind of how that community has unfolded you know around the world so yeah those are the two things that that we have going on that i'd i'd love to welcome people into Amazing. And then there's always the online, um, mm, yeah, online virtual workshops workshop. on virtual workshop. There you go. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. the men's groups yeah. and the women's groups coming up back again next year. So I'll put the links to all that yeah. stuff in the show notes. Thanks a lot for your time, John. It was great to see you, mate. All right, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah great um, to see you too, brother. Leaders of men.